0: Just very thankful to be here today and have this opportunity to share with you once again. Um, this is pretty different than anything, I think, that I've ever shared. And so I just um, I ask you to open your hearts and hear what I believe the Father would say to you today. Because um, <clears throat> I'm excited about it. And you know, sometimes when I share, I, when I think at home, I am so excited. And I just know that's going to come out to you. And when I go back and listen, it's just this mild mannered, quiet voice. But just know that in my heart, I'm very excited about this today. (coughs) Yesterday, um, you know, as I sat down to get all this on paper, because this has been stirring my heart for a couple of weeks since pastor asked me if I could do this today. I dug out my big old Strong's Concordance. You all know what that is. It's a big old book. You know, it's about that thick. And, and um, I opened it up, and look what I found inside. I don't know if you can see that, but it's a picture of John and Anna Grace when she was a couple of years old, and that's John's grandpa. And I, I'm sure I put it in there to flatten it because this was just something we printed on the computer. But as I looked at that photo, I began to think about John's grandpa. And the things that I've heard John share about his grandpa and how he had imparted so much to him over his life, you know, and those were life skills, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure they probably didn't spend tons of time together, but I know how much he appreciated his grandpa and the things he learned from him about mechanics and about welding and just a work ethic. And you know, when John was younger, his dad worked a lot, he worked in the factories, and they didn't have as much time together. But when they moved from Wisconsin to Missouri, that changed and he had more time to spend with his dad. And His dad imparted things into him and they, those two were life skills. He taught him more about mechanics, welding, electricity, carpentry, and as a wife, you know those are important skills. And I appreciate those things that were imparted to him. But you know, as I looked at this picture, and I thought about the things that I think, and John and I have not talked about this, and he didn't know I was going to share this today. As I think about the things that I think he would want to impart to our kids and to our grandchildren, it's not the same. And I have no idea where I'm at on this page, or if I'm even on this page. Um, and John, could you find my glasses and my purse and bring those to me, please? <laughs> you know, I print this in really huge font, but it's still kind of nice to have the glasses. Um, oh, I'm on page two already. How about that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the things that I think John wanted to impart to our girls and to our grandkids would be his love for music, his love for people, and his love for God. Is that about right? And you know, the most important of those things is the latter, because how we love God affects how we approach music and how we approach people. And the first scripture I want to share with you today is Romans one (laughs) eleven. Paul was addressing the church at Rome, and he said, For I long to be with you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. And just like Paul, we want to be able to impart a spiritual gift not only to our own families, but to those around us who so badly need a touch of God on their lives. You know, I believe here in this house, this body, we're on the verge of some sort of spiritual explosion. And we have been for quite some time. You know, pastors talked about this several times where we're headed, that we're seeing an increase in in the presence of God and the spirit of God and that that move that he feels is coming for this house. Um, Lots of different ones who've shared have expressed that as well. Last week, I went back and looked at my notes. You know, I, I like to take notes in church. You know, I have notes that go back into the 90s. I have I found some the other day, Karen, when I was cleaning out some drawers that go back to the 1980s when you were teaching. Good stuff, really good stuff. <clears throat> but last week, Pastor shared that there are things available to us now in the Spirit that I hath not seen nor ear heard. And he reminded us that God has dealt bountifully with us, And you remember he said that means that he's doing good toward us so that we can do good toward others. And it reminded us that God wants to do a new thing, not just take us back to what we experienced in the past. He wants us to work in the presence, in the presence of God. A few weeks ago, Mary was sharing up here, and she mentioned that Pastor had us all raise our hands one morning if we'd ever experienced a healing. And she shared that she saw a lot of hands go up. But she realized she didn't know those stories. She didn't know those stories and testimonies of healing. We weren't sharing those with one another. And we were missing the testimony. And I thought it was how interesting the word testimony came up as we were talking about Damon and Jackie. That's so appropriate. (laughs) You know, I've been reading a book that Pastor shared with me. It's called The Essential Guide to Healing, Equipping All Christians to Pray for the Sick. And, you know, I don't even know when he gave it to me because I've had it for a while. And I would read a little bit on it and think, oh, this is really good. I really need to read this. And then I'd set it aside, and it might be weeks or months before I came back to it. But I have really, really enjoyed this. And I'm not saying just read books because we know that the Bible is our foundation. But I'm telling you, it was a good book. It's co-authored by Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. I don't know Randy Clark at all, but Bill Johnson is a minister in California in Reading at Bethel Church. Um, he's on TV, so you may have seen or heard from him, and you may have opinions what you think of him. I happen to really connect with things he says. And I want to share some things with you um, directly from uh, this book about the testimony of Jesus. Revelations 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus... Is the spirit of prophecy. That's scripture. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And now sharing from the book, um, this is a quote from Bill Johnson's part, one of his parts in the book. It says, The stories of God's intervention set a legal precedent for the miraculous. The word testimony comes from a word meaning do again. The testimony of Jesus is a spoken or written record of anything Jesus has done. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anytime we share something that God has done in our lives, we release that spirit of prophecy. Prophecy comes in two main forms. One, to foretell the future. And the other, to release a word that changes the present. And I believe that's what we're talking about today. The spirit of prophecy releases a word to change the present. I believe the testimony of Jesus releases a prophetic anointing that has an effect on present realities. He went on to say things become possible in the present that were not available. Until the testimony was given. It's as though the testimony reveals what God wants to do again. Now, we've all heard testimonies that have inspired us, and they energize us, and they cause our faith to grow. And the testimony of Jesus is vital to our spiritual growth and to fulfilling what God's called us to do as believers. Several years ago, John had some miraculous things happen. It's what I would call a close encounter of the God kind. It was a turning point in his life, and it was a turning point in our marriage. And I remember, this was when Pastor was here before, Pastor Glenn, I remember him saying to John, you need to ask God to show you how to share that story. He was telling him that so that he could keep the testimony alive our testimony will encourage others and cause them to see God's love in a new way. It brings the power of God on the scene in a way that simply sharing a story can't do. He wants us to share our testimonies and to hone our skills at sharing it. He doesn't want us to embellish it and he wants us to be in tune with him so that we know when we're supposed to share it. So <clears throat> we've established that he wants us to dust off all those old testimonies that we have. And be aware when we have new ones to share. So that we can do what he's called us to do. Which is what, we're, what we talk about all the time. What God's called us to do. So what is that? It's to manifest his presence in the earth. Not just in our churches on Sunday morning, but in our homes, at our jobs, at ball games, and even at Walmart. That's what he wants us to do is manifest his presence in the earth. First Corinthians twelve seven says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man freely to profit withal. Now that's the King James and you know When I look for scripture, I hear it in King James because that's how I grew up. But I really love the Amplified, as you know, which it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. Amen. Amen. You know, some of us have talked about having experienced the manifest presence of God in the past. And we've shared those stories with one another. And we're seeing more of that in our services lately, the manifest presence of God. But not everyone here has had those same opportunities. And even for those of us who may have had wonderful experiences 20 or more years ago, whether that was in a large evangelistic service or a small intimate group, it's likely that we were a recipient of the manifestation or maybe even a spectator And not the one that the spirit was being manifested through. Does that make sense? That maybe we weren't manifesting it, but we were um, receiving it or or seeing it. So how do we get to the point where we can be a vessel for him to flow through? Back in the early or mid-90s, the Lord gave me a song. It was in another church. And I've maybe shared it in church once or twice. I'm going to sing it for you. It goes, Lord, let me be a vessel you can use, an instrument of love and joy and peace. And Lord, let them see that you're living in me. Let me be a vessel you can use the first thing we need to establish is that he's not looking for a perfect person. Because after all, we're just human. But he is looking for those who who desire to be used and who are willing to seek a deeper walk with him to see his power manifested. So we just know if what we want is a bigger, greater manifestation of God in this house then we've got to be willing to seep- seek a deeper walk with him. But even if we have the desire and we're seeking a deeper walk, sometimes we just need a little instruction. And Karen, I almost called you this morning because there was a story years ago about a little boy talking about Jesus, I think. And something was said about, you know, he just needed Jesus with a little skin on him. We just need some instruction sometimes. Sometimes we've made things too complicated and that's one of the reasons i really appreciated this book that pastor had shared with me it's very practical and it gives lots of examples there are two things i want to share with you today that i can help us all to move forward and the word of it's the word of knowledge and healing and the word of knowledge for healing the word of knowledge is mentioned in the 12th chapter of 1st corinthians Raise your hand if you've ever seen the word of knowledge uh, given in a service. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever been the one that the word of knowledge was for in a service. Okay. Basically, the word of knowledge is an unction from the Spirit of God. And remember, we're talking about working out of the presence of God it's an unction from the Spirit of God that you speak out to show what God is wanting to do it's almost like God's pointing his finger at somebody and saying I see you I see your problem and I'm here to fix it and it usually starts out rather general and it gets more specific as it goes. It may be a calling out a certain situation or a healing that somebody needs in their body. You know, I don't know that I've ever used a word of knowledge to call out someone's healing. I can't remember that I've ever done that. I, I believe that I can be used that way, but honestly, I don't really think I've ever thought about it. Um, I've had specific words before. Uh, A few years ago, when there was an altar call and the presence of God was pretty strong here in the service, um, I had something for Pastor Damon. And I went to him. He was standing over here, and I was sitting over there. And we had wonderful worship. And I walked over to him, and I think I took his hand, and I just said something like, It's like fire shut up in your bones. And when I said that, the Spirit of God hit us both, And we could barely stand up, either one of us. And you know, I really don't know what that was all about. God knows. But it sure was awesome. (laughs) Now, let's get back to this simple instruction. Why would we want God to use us in a word of knowledge? Let me go back to that song from 20-some years ago. Here's the chorus. Free the ones held captive by the power in Jesus' name. Hook them up with Jesus, and they'll never be the same. A life that is victorious is theirs if we will share what the Spirit says to us when we go to God in prayer. And Lord, let me be a vessel you can use. An instrument of love and joy and peace. And Lord, let them see that you're living in me. Let me be a vessel you can use. Now, does that mean if you begin to operate in these things that you're going to be up here ministering to people at the altar? Maybe, but not necessarily. You might get something and share it with pastor. And it might not even happen in this house. It might happen outside of these walls. It might happen in a conversation with your best friend or even a total stranger. One thing you can be sure of, it's not happening just so you can get the goosebumps and feel good. God wants to make his power available. There are several ways a person can experience the word of knowledge for someone. And here we're specifically talking about word of knowledge for healing. And I know that some of you already experience some of these different ways. And and these, I'm sharing this from the book. I think there's, yeah, okay. The first thing is you feel them. You know, you may have a pain in your body, and you realize it's not your pain. Now, that sounds really silly, doesn't it? You know? But have you, if you've seen that, you know that somebody might feel pain in their back or their leg or a, a, a sudden headache that came on, and they know that that's not a problem they've ever had. And so they ask, who is that God? Who is that for? So the next time you have a pain somewhere and it comes on suddenly and it's not something you deal with, stop and ask God, is that for somebody else? You can think them. They can come in a split second or it can be something repetitive. You can see them it's like similar to a daydream, but it's more like an open screen in front of you, and you don't see anything else. I've never experienced that. I know people that do. I know pastor has experienced that. Sometimes you might be looking around the room, and you're just drawn to an individual that God wants you to minister to. And what do you do with that? You stop, and you listen, and you ask God. God. What do you want to do with that and believe that he's going to tell you? You can read them. Some people actually see words either on a person or over a person, or it's like they see a headline in a newspaper or a caption on the television screen. Um, This book, uh, he was sharing one of those, and it was... um, he had seen a medical chart and he just read what he saw and that was somebody's specific condition and they were ministered to and they came forward for healing you can say them the words sometimes just come out without you having to think about them and i don't know why i remember this but many many years ago Somebody specifically called out conjunctivitis in one of our evening church services. And I think it was Pastor Larry Colton that called it out. And he said, I don't know what that is. But one of the ladies said, I'm pretty sure that's what Mary has. Our Mary. And she was four or five at the time. And she wasn't even in the main service. She was back in children's church. And they sent one of us out to get her. And here she came out with her red swollen eyes and her runny nose because conjunctivitis is an inflammation of the conjunctiva or something which is around your eyes and it was caused by allergies. So they brought her out and we prayed. Operating in the word of knowledge isn't always perfect. You can miss it. You can be so sure of what God's wanting to do and you can give it, speak it out, share it, and nobody responds. You might find out later that someone knew it was for them and that they didn't respond for whatever reason. Maybe they were afraid or unsure. And we can even misinterpret what we think God's telling us. And in this book, he gave a really great example when he was, um, He had a word of knowledge that there was a man there who had a specific um, condition. I think it was with a leg. And nobody came forward. You know, he started out with this condition of this leg, whatever this problem was. Nobody came forward. And then he said, it's a man. Nobody came forward. And then he said, this happened when you tripped over a green garden hose. And nobody came forward. And after the service, this guy comes up and said, "Well, you know, um, I didn't come up because you said a green garden hose." Now, I'm a firefighter, and I tripped over like a fire hose, and it was green, but I, I didn't come up. So <clears throat> So you know, if you're sharing in word of knowledge, try not to put your own interpretation on things. Another time he shared that um, he got the word 52, you know, and it was one of those things where he had shared several things about a condition. He knew it was a lady, Um, and he said, I hear 52, 52 years. Nobody came up. After the service, he had three ladies come up. Now, Hattie just said 52, one of them was, she was 52, one of them was born in 52, and one of them had another connection to 52, some other way that I don't remember. So we need to listen and try not to add what we interpret, but to give as as direct as we can. But probably our biggest challenge is just discerning when it's us and when it's God. And it's a learning process. Another quote from the book that I thought was so good and so applicable to this body is, we wait for things to come to maturity, to be fully grown before we acknowledge them. And if we give honor to things in their infant stages, we'll see more things come to maturity. So as God begins to open up this body to new things like word of knowledge and healing and maybe other gifts. We want to acknowledge it in its infant stages and not get in a hurry and wait for it to be full grown because it could take a while. Leslie, are we doing okay on time? Okay. The second thing I want to share with you is about praying for healing Let's look at Mark 16, 15 through 20. Here Jesus is talking to the disciples, and this is what most of us know as the Great Commission. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I think we agree that God desires for us to pray for healing. He continued to work with the disciples after he had already left the earth, and he confirmed the word with signs following. I think praying for healing for people is one of the areas we probably have the most difficulty with. And I think there's lots of reasons. Some of us have just never been taught that we received healing at the same time we received salvation. It's a package deal. He paid for it. By his stripes, you were healed. Some of us have been in healing services that got a little carried away or wacky. There was a day when there was some of that going around, and we've all been part of it or we've seen people that we love who didn't receive healing and that set us back spiritually but I think the biggest problem and the reason we don't pray for the sick is that we're afraid we're afraid they won't be healed you know there are all kinds of healings some are instantaneous some are miraculous some even are creative in that God restores or creates something that's been damaged or missing. Some healings come over time, a few hours, a few days, a few weeks. I think we also have a big misconception about praying for healing. Somehow we think that their healings are responsibility, and it's not. It's God's responsibility to heal. We're just to be obedient vessels. A couple of days ago, I was listening. Um, I wanted to listen to something while I was working at work. And so I put on a YouTube of a ministry. And it was Bill Johnson. And as it, it was interesting because it was the first thing that came up when I pulled up my YouTube. And it was actually a service in California last Sunday night and he shared a story that is a testimony it's an illustration that i thought was excellent and i want to share that with you he was talking about a man who had come to work in their ministry and he and his wife had several successful businesses and they closed them all down so that they could move to reading to help in the ministry there now he didn't share it with a lot of people but because um the pastor Johnson and this man were close, he knew that when he closed those businesses, he still had quite a bit of debt t- toward some of those. And, you know, it was, it was something they were praying about that God would help them take care of. So one morning <clears throat> after service, a lady walks up to the pastor and says, is Chris here? And he said, no, he's ministering at such and such church, but he'll be here tonight. And she said, can you give this to him? And she handed him a check. It was folded up. And he laughed and said, you know, when she went around the corner, I looked. Because, you know, she didn't put it in an envelope. And it was a check for $30,000 for that man. And he gave it to him at a little pre-service prayer meeting that evening. And he said, it totally run the prayer meeting. (laughs) Because he was so excited about what God had done so excited that god had met their need and you know what bill johnson said he said he said you know he never even thanked me for that and you know why cuz all bill was doing was delivering the check that somebody else had already written and when we're praying for healing all we're doing is delivering what somebody else has already paid for. Amen? Amen. Amen. When we pray for healing, there are a couple of really important distinctions that we need to make. We should speak to the problem or the condition and command it to be healed. We don't need to ask God to heal sister so-and-so. We already know it's his will to heal. You know, last week, as pastor was praying during the service, I was listening very intently, and he commanded conditions to be healed. Many years ago, I was studying a book called Commanding Power, and it talked about this type of prayer. It was really enlightening, and it really built my faith for healing. Leslie, are we recording this? Okay. That's okay. (laughs) You know, several weeks ago when Pastor asked for that show of hands for people who had been healed, I was one of them. And I don't know that too many outside my immediate family know this story, and I'm not sure all of them do. Because it's kind of embarrassing. But during that same time when I was reading that book on commanding power and God was increasing my faith for healing Um, I experienced for the very first time in my life, are you ready for this, external hemorrhoids. They were painful. But God had increased my faith. And I laid hands on myself, and I commanded that to go in the name of Jesus, and it was gone immediately. Immediately. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do it again. And thank God he does. And you know, when we're praying for healing, when we see a healing happen, we want to be sure to thank him and give him praise. You know, I've ministered in this body a few times. And I don't know if you've noticed, probably you have. But you know, I don't think I've ever given an altar call or prayed for anyone after I taught. And you know, a few months ago, I realized that it was because I was scared. And I really wasn't sure I knew what to do. (laughs) I mean, I've, I've seen people prayed for, ministered to for over 30 years. 40 years. You know, Jesus is our very best example of healing and praying for people. And we saw him do it lots of different ways. And we have his examples to learn from. Jesus didn't pray a petitionary prayer when he was praying for healing. He prayed a commanding prayer. Same with his disciples. When we're ministering healing, and again, we're talking about just practical working knowledge here. When we're ministering healing to someone, there is a five-step prayer model that was shared in this book that I want to share with you. It's not something um, super spiritual, but it's a formula that, um, that we can use as a natural do- dialogue with a person that we're ministering to. And our faith is not in this model. Our faith is in God. But I thought this was really helpful. So here's the five steps. So someone comes forward for healing. Maybe you've used word of knowledge and you've called them out. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to interview them. Why are you here? What do you need? Go a little deeper. Do you know what caused this? The second thing, diagnosis and a prayer selection. Do you know what's wrong? Do you know what's causing this? Was someone else involved? Do you have unforgiveness against that person? Have you had a diagnosis from a physician? It helps you know where they are, and locate them. But it also helps you know how to pray. The third one is prayer ministry, praying for effect. And that's where we watch and see what's happening. And we need to learn to keep our eyes open. Because most of the time, when somebody's being prayed for, for healing, they're experiencing something. It may be heat, It may feel like electricity. They may get a tingling. And so keep your eyes open and see what you see happening. And then stop and re-interview them and ask them, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Can you feel that God's already healing you? Now this isn't a time to not be honest, if you're being prayed for. You wanna be honest. You know, Bill Johnson says a lot of times he'll, he'll tell people, when you feel like you are about 80% healed, wave your hands over your head. And the other thing he shared is if the pain intensifies When you're being prayed for, it may mean that we're dealing with a spirit that's afflicting you rather than just a physical cause. And you know, the devil gets riled up when the spirit of God's on the scene because he knows that he's about to be ready. We're about ready to kick him out. And so that would change the direction of the way you would pray. If their healing is not complete, you may need to pray again. Jesus did that, and he gives us an example in the 8th chapter of Mark. He spit on the man's eyes, and then he asked him if he could see. And the man said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So he laid hands on him again. And after that, he received the complete restoration of his sight. So that's a great example that Jesus gave us. And again, he is our example. And then post-prayer suggestions. Thankfulness. Remind them to be thankful for what God's doing or already completed in them. And then remind them to share the testimony. You know, I know this has been long And I thank you for your patience. And as we move forward in the spirit, and God is wanting to do more things in his presence and out of his presence in this house, we're going to have to learn some patience because it is a learning process. And there may be times when ministry up here takes a little more time than we're accustomed to. And you don't have to worry because the pastor's not going to let it go on all day long. But we may need to adjust our expectations just a little bit. You know, we've kind of been used to getting out of here well before noon. And that may change. But we just need to be patient with what God's doing in this house. And here we are at the end of the service. And you know, I'm not afraid today. But I'm not sure what he wants to do either. And so let's just bow our heads for a second. You know, it's okay to be just quiet before him. Father, we just ask you to speak to our hearts. And if there's a need here today, Lord, that you want met... We just ask you to reveal it.